Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you again for listening to the Traveling Principles podcast. My name is Joe Colossi, and I am the Traveling Principal. I run a one-stop shop for all things education reform at the high school level. I have lots of experience with schools of all kinds and sizes and would love to help out if I can. Please visit my website, www.thetravelingprincipal.com, for more information. Now, my listeners have spoken, and I had a request for assessments, a podcast revolving around assessments. And so I'm going to take a quick break from the Creating a New School podcast and take a refreshing dip in the assessment pool. Um, We're going to focus a little on formative and summative assessments right out of the gate here in a second. I wanted to transition into student choice. Uh, As my listeners will know, I'm starting a new school and the concept heavily revolves around choice. I love the idea of a student-driven instructional plan. And so we're going to talk a little about that. I want to get in um, how incorporating both properly conducted assessments and student choice can drive instruction. And it takes the educator in the room out of the center of learning and have it be about the student instead. So without further ado, let's geek out on assessments. So I'm going to give you a brief history of my own experiences with summative assessments as a starting place. I remember in New York City public, students had the New York State Regents exam. I took them when I was a kid, and the notion of passing them in order to obtain a Regents Diploma dates all the way back to like 1876 in high schools as per the Democrat and Chronicle, a brand of educational reporting affiliated with the USA Today. Now, that's a long time for the same train of thought to govern educational results that determine a student's graduation from high school, especially considering how much education has changed over that span of time. So we change everything from the delivery of instruction, but not the test. Got it. Uh, Don't worry, New York. California knew an even worse way to test kids Let's give them the test every year and have it not lead to anything at all. The California High School Equivalency Exam, also known as the Casey, did revolve around math and English and took, uh, kids took it in 11th grade. And if they failed, they practically barely knew how to read. Then they had the STAR, S-T-A-R, tests that didn't revolve around anything other than some ritualistic API score that everyone could brag about because smart kids went to that school since they did well on the test and the test means nothing to anyone taking it. So assessments carried like no value to me. Um, You know, how about formative and summative assessments which are commonly studied in postgraduate courses and often at the forefront of great debate broken down by state in this country. 
You see, summative focuses on the outcome, the culmination, the product. What was learned plain and simple? Formative rather focuses on the process of learning from beginning through the middle and then into the end of the learning cycle. If you go to class tomorrow and your teacher gives you a Shakespearean play, let's say a comedy of errors, right? You're going to get a few quizzes during the next few weeks on what happened. You may work on vocabulary every other day. Discuss new literary devices such as illusion. Um, practice using it in multiple ways each week. <clears throat> then debate character analysis and plot conflicts within each act. These are all formative assessments. They tell the educator who is learning, what they've learned, and therefore knows then what to revise, lengthen, or throw out completely. I've learned about 90% of what I do about my students using these formative assessments. So when we get into choosing your own assessment from a group or off a list, now we're getting into learning, right? Formative assessments come in many different forms, from speeches to game creation, to presentations, to maps, etc. And they could be short, two questions, three or 10. The Jedi mind trick game is to not make it an assessment and still obtaining that which you seek to assess. For example, if you have students read a part of play in a class, which was homework from the night before, you'd expect the students to know a little about what they're reading before acting it out. If kids are stumbling and not understanding what they've read, a teacher may assume that the student didn't read last night. Hence, a brief formative assessment. I used to ask students to take a piece of paper, fold it into fours, fold it into quarters, and rip off a quarter piece, um, one of those four pieces, and answer two questions filling in both sides of that little squared piece of paper. You can't go beyond that square. A lot of kids would fill up both sides. My questions were easy. Uh, they didn't require a ton of thought. And if a student read, they'd get the question correct very easily. I knew who was reading, who wasn't, and therefore could predict who needed help and intervene before it was too late in the play to make everything up. A summative assessment here would be a 100 question test and two essay prompts at the end of the semester on the play. The summative assessment tells me how much I learned about the play after it is over. You see, education revolves around this notion that endurance of information with further application of said knowledge is actually real learning. I mean, I get that, and I do agree with it. However, not adhering to any foundational learning and simply assuming daily, weekly, or monthly comprehension of new information lacks plausible positive trends in student successes. This is obvious, right? Um, why do states focus on summative assessments for major milestones like graduation? 
well, they're almost, uh, you know, kind of, they, they almost don't anymore. California abandoned the Casey on January 1st, 2016. So only four years ago, uh, they were gambling that the Casey was going to make or break successes in students' lives. Nice one. I studied my butt off for a chemistry regents and barely passed. I hated chemistry, but passed it. Have I used it since? No, but I passed it, right? And so I guess what I was supposed to take from that is accepting the challenge of education and, and rising up to that challenge, figuring out a way. I, I don't know, dude. I'm just trying to justify how hard Miss Maresca, my science teacher, worked um, and how complicated that was for me to get past that exam. But that being said, it <clears throat> really means nothing. So I remember in New York City, we'd teach the regents for five months before the exam. Practice after practice, we'd read, write, grade, revise, and live that exam. My kids took it and mostly passed. I never had below an 80% pass rate. <clears throat> I had great results. Um, but I had them take it 50 times before they took it for real. So where's the learning there, New York? Because my kids can stay awake long enough to listen to a speech on the leatherback sea turtle and get a 6 out of a 10 on the questions correct based on using notes that they took and they'd get to graduate and drive and make decisions in the world we live in because of that. Thanks. Um, I just don't see the connection. I don't, I, I don't see that purpose. Pearson, okay, who if they sponsored my podcast, I'd be a zillionaire. Pearson makes most of the practice and prep assessment materials for these tests. So there's a, there's a layer here. Most of the test makers are educators who are out of the game, but <clears throat> minimal experiences of, of current trends exist and uh, minimal experiences with contemporary learning, yet they possess tons of degrees. Because they've been able to pay for school for nine years, they get to decide what everyone else's school experiences are going to be like, I guess. I, I don't know. I've never been able to understand it. To be quite honest, I have done some recent research on Pearson and, and it's wild. Um, so California rolls out the NGSS, right? The um, Next Generation Science Standards. And there's no test prep. There's no curriculum with no digital library and says test students in 12th grade because the assessment includes biology, chemistry, physics, and living environment or environmental science. Even though the state of California only mandates two years of science be taken in high school prior to graduation, and oh yeah, the test doesn't mean anything to the student, only the school. So what? Um, here's what summative assessments fail at miserably, right? If you want a kid to take an assessment, it must mean something. 
for the assessment to mean something, it has to connect the student to their path, the path that they're on, which is what drives their, their engagement, right? Think of it in learning terms when you're teaching. You increase engagement in teaching to increase the efficiency of learning, hence better scores ultimately. If you made an assessment which tied the student to a path post high school, now you're talking about more accurate results. Now you have buy-in. Now you have self-induced learning and furthermore intrinsic study and inquiry. Now you are showing validity and purpose. In New York, you must pass the Regents. You get a Regents diploma. I'm pretty sure you could attend any CUNY, City University of New York, at that time that I graduated um, back in the 90s with a local diploma too. And even a GED, if you went that route, I'm sure you could figure out how to get into CUNY. So why did I work so hard? Well, my parents would have killed me otherwise, so there's that. I knew I wanted to go to college because it was my only option. So I wanted to go somewhere that I knew I would like. Uh, so I sort of did have a reason to try. In California, if a kid fails the SBAC, right? That's our, our park. That's our state assessment, the SBAC. That means nothing to them. They have to take additional 0900 courses at the local community college. But community college right now is free in this area. So what's the big cost difference there? The school the kid attends gets hammered for the low result. But the kid, he or she, smiles knowing that they did whatever and it means nothing to them. Summative assessments need to show some sort of purpose when, when we're talking about being on that level. Um, so... It, you know, when you're comparing the two, there's, you can't, you can't forget the fact that formative is your day to day. Summative tends to not be as valid, um, on account of the size, uh, uh, based on the amount of information, etc. Um, what's the worst thing about a formative assessment then? I remember being in school and not doing the reading and stressing the pop quiz. Right? Pop quiz, that was like a buzzword when I was in high school. Imagine, man, how things have advanced since. Um, anyway, it would catch me, and I'd, I'd get a low grade, and what happens next, I'd, I'd have to read it. Right, I'd get caught up, realize I actually liked what I read, hence the English teacher route that I went, and it would write the wrong for me on the day-to-day. -day. I'd be reading, doing homework instead of whatever else, I, I do like hours of Mike Tyson's punch out, right? Because back then Mike Tyson was still in the game. Now it's just punch out. Not sure if you've played it recently, but again, pop quiz, right? So formative assessments based on choice, however, now you're on to something. Choice would be a modern day buzzword in education, right? If I was in class, my teacher would allow me an option from a list to choose from when taking a quiz instead of multiple choice and standard fill-ins slash essays, I could draw a comic, act out a part, rewrite a part that would be my favorite, right? The rewrite, um, but make it come alive somehow in my delivery of comprehension. Now I'm in. 
Now I'm reading content given to me in class because I know I have to tie it into something somehow. Now I'm creative for a reason that I get to direct. I was never a good test taker unless it was an essay and I could write my way through anything. Um, so I, I would have loved the choice, right? When I taught uh, and I worked with staff to do the same, even today, uh, I give options. Sometimes I just want to draw. Sometimes I feel like acting. Most times I'm ready to film. Let me loose and I'll show you I know. Um, I want to show you I know and therefore would have to know it first in order to do so. Does that make sense? Right? So fostering engagement here also placates to the different learners in the room. So elements of differentiating instruction are organically embedded. I know kids stress from a multiple choice test because there's 50 on there. There's a ton of pages to flip through and is overwhelming when timed, right? Just a bunch on the same page can be stressful. Um, how about let's take it a step further for my listeners and incorporate a room full of L's and in addition to SPED. Now we have English language learners, special education students, those who are advanced and those who are in the middle somewhere desperately needing attention to go to the next level as the ones below are easily uh, accessible. Let's put them all in the same room and give them all the same test. Evaluating the measurement of scores as valid. So if you're thinking that doesn't make sense, it's basically because it doesn't. How can I expect a kid who needs questions and directions read aloud in a separate location with less questions per page to achieve success on the same assessment as the kid who is top of the class, right? How about the kid who just got here last year to this country and is in 11th grade but speaks, reads, and writes on a third grade level in English. How is that kid supposed to do? I, I need to modify the heck out of the test. Or I give choice. Perhaps the kid who just got here last year is an artist. And if the literature is translated into their native language or accompanied with a movie uh, that had like subtitles, let's say, They'd be able to draw a comic and label each picture accordingly, exemplifying comprehension as an answer instead of writing in conventions of standard written English. Um, teachers, when conducting assessments via choice, also take themselves out of the center of attention, as this is now about the student, not the teacher. And it goes in many directions, perhaps one direction for each student, right? So does that mean the teacher has to grade 30 different assessments? Maybe. I mean, they're going to grade 30 assessments regardless. But if they do it correctly, or, or wisely, let's say, they'd make them assessed in-house by everyone using a universal rubric, um, taking the grading home element out of the equation almost altogether, right? Summative assessments just cannot do this. I mean, let, let's digress momentarily and, and just kind of throw in feedback. What, what kind of feedback in a summative assessment do you get if you just get a grade? I mean, if, if you got a, an 80, let's say, you may have failed 
an entire portion of this large summative assessment and kick butt on every other part, and you'll never know it because you just think you got an 80. You know, so so there's that. Like, what what is the point behind some sort of rating attachment to a larger scale? I, I don't know. I, I don't know is, is the answer. They aren't granular enough um, as they are way too big and comprehensive in nature. I ask, what is the purpose being that they aren't anywhere near accurate then? So let's go back to this. I, I mentioned it before. And I, I didn't want to tiptoe around it. I just wanted to introduce it. Let's look to Pearson, right? Pearson has your answers. Um, Pearson has all of your test prep solutions as they've bought almost the entire market of educational public, uh, public publishing and date all the way back over 100 years. We're talking some real 1% stuff right here, folks. And... It's as business-esque as education can be. Pearson is at the root of businesses' grasp on education considering they own almost 90%. So when you own almost 90% of the educational publications out there that are worth listening to or reading, you know you, you can make waves. Um, you have a lot of sway. Uh, but... Let's not go and attack the largest company out there just because they've turned education into a business and we all suffer from their outdated trends. Uh, let's, not, let's not do that. It's the difference between AP and IB, right? Advanced Placed and International Baccalaureate. One is so outdated in its pedagogical approach towards capturing accurate evidence of student potential in its multiple choice slash essay based blunder of the rich get richer and the other speaks to the holistic and purposeful side of education ap wasn't going to last much longer which is why it changed its entire test and is still doing so as we speak actually ap is what my parents of my high school students know because that's what we all took um, when we were in school right that was our our option and just because the test is still an option doesn't mean it's in any way more accurate than it was back in the day uh, when we took it so additionally so much revolves around that one instance when you take that one test albeit multiple choice or uh, presentation. What happens if your parents argued all night? If someone in the house was sick and threw up all night? Someone didn't have a good night's sleep due to the neighborhood being awake and nearby? Um, someone woke up late and rushed in? All plausible factors that exist on the daily, uh, all made up with a retake in a formative assessment as well, right? Most summative assessments are, are one-time shots. So you ask me, formative assessments are the way to go. When done properly with choice, they take the onus off of the teacher and puts the attention back on the student, enabling differentiation on every level, creating buy-in, fostering engagement all the while, and leading to information endured over a longer period of time. 
even applicable in ideal situations. Um, that's true learning, not some weird score that means something to other people. I'll never need to know the word juxtaposition unless I'm comparing scene comprehension in, let's say, the comedy of errors, perhaps, right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Joe Clossy, and I hope you enjoyed a little bit of my tangent on formative and summative assessments and learned a little about taking yourself out of the role of being at the center of learning. It's supposed to be about the student, not the teacher. Additionally, the business of education is so big, the summative assessments that unfortunately drive some key decisions as to state-by-state -state educational efficacy and person-by-person -person successes or failures due to a result that in no way is an accurate reflection of what's truly going on. Um, I think of all of that time I spent on teaching to the test and can't help but to wonder what day-to-day -day lessons and information I could have given to those students instead of drilling them on how to write a critical lens essay. Um, but I am your traveling principal, folks, and I am in the 10% or so that is not owned and operated by Pearson and am about the students. You can visit me at www.thetravelingprincipal.com and please like and subscribe to my podcast. Please tune in for more. It's been awesome, and I hope you guys got something out of this, if not at least an entertaining ride to wherever you're going. Uh, if you have a request for a future podcast, please email me at thetravelingprincipal at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and have a good one, everyone.